This is the Business Central Manufacturing Show, and I am Martin Karlovic. So hi folks, today I'm with Roos Krabbenbach from the Netherlands, who is my first guest without a dedicated manufacturing background. However, he is a highly experienced business trainer and consultant with a well-earned reputation in the international Microsoft Dynamics arena. He has managed and co-owned several software companies and was sales director for Navision Software in the Netherlands. Roos is co-founder and co-owner of QBS Group, the successful value-add SMB distributor for Dynamics Partners in the EMEA region that supports 750-plus Dynamics Partners in 25-plus countries. Over the last 15 years, Roos has delivered inspiring business training and presentations to hundreds of Dynamics Partners and end-users all over the world. During the last years, with a particular attention to business transformation and digital transformation. Recently, Roos started a fresh new company called Dynamics & More. This company supports Microsoft Dynamics customers and partners with high-impact services in the domains of strategy, digital transformation, marketing, sales and project success. Roos is also a member of the Partner Advisory Council for Directions for Partners, the community of Dynamic 365 Business Central Partners in the EMEA and Asia regions. Finally, Kroos is a frequent speaker at various international Microsoft events like Inspire, Extremes 365 and Directions. His approach is perceived by both customers and partners as inspiring, creative and provocative, but always entertaining. Kroos, I'm excited that you are here. Welcome to the Business Central Manufacturing Show. Thank you, Martin. Thanks for inviting me. So when we met last time, it was after a German partner and customer event where you gave the keynote speech on digital transformation. We shared a taxi. Now we meet in a podcast and share screens. Is COVID-19 driving digital transformation or slowing it down? So I believe that with all the bad things that come with this crisis and this virus, I think one of the end results will be that it gives a boost, really a huge boost to digital transformation. I think many companies now, because we're all forced to work from home, are confronted with the possibilities or the limitations of their current IT systems. That's one thing. The second thing is that, you know, there's lots of companies with complex processes. I speak to a lot of companies that say, yeah, but we're a complex company or partners like you say, yeah, my prospect has a complex process. And as being a Dutch guy, I always say, why are they complex? What's the reason why they're complex? And then people start staring at me like that's a strange question. If I have discussions with management teams and they say, yes, but we are complex, I always say, so is it your strategy to be complex? And if you would start your company all over again tomorrow, would you again choose for these complex, outdated, maybe legacy processes that you have today? And I think these are interesting questions. And then back to your question, now with the virus, a lot of companies, I think, are confronted with the, the dark side of their complexity. So I believe that a lot of them, you know, start making plans how to become a more digital company and how to get rid of those complexities. When I observe what you say and what others say, then I see some of the people speak just about the digitization or companies becoming digital. When I hear you talk, you tend to always speak about digital transformation. So is there a difference between digitization and digital transformation? And why is that transformation bit so important to, in your opinion? So it's a good question, Martin. So we can all count, right? So the term digital transformation has two words. 
And I tend to say that there is a relatively simple part in digital transformation as there is a relatively complex part. Uh, if I do presentations, it's an audience question. So please show me your hand. Who of you think the digital part is simple and who of you think the transformation part is simple? The end of the story is that, in my opinion, uh, the digital part of digital transformation is relatively easy. The reason for that is that, you know, you can buy uh, IT systems. And if you work with Microsoft, you're a partner or a customer with Microsoft, you're lucky that you can buy different IT systems that over time integrate more and more and become part of a platform. But that's the digital part, right? Even my younger son could buy digital stuff if he had a budget. The second part, the second word is transformation. And my question to audiences often is, please show me your hand. Who of you thinks that there is an article number in the price list of your vendor for transformation? Just imagine, right? You got a company, you got 100 people, and you say to your vendor, please give me 100 seats of transformation. That would make it simple. But as we all understand, that's impossible. And why it is impossible is that transformation starts with the company. I believe it should start with strategy. So what do we want to achieve? Why are we on earth? Why do we come out of our beds in the morning? Right. And then from strategy, start thinking on, you know, what does digitalization mean for our strategy? And then, you know, people should come up with change because digitalization is equals change, but it should not stop by just changing from analog to digital because in these days, as we all know, it's nothing new, the customer has the power. And again, back to your first question, through the crisis, I believe the power of customers is even bigger, is growing. Simple. You look on a website and uh, you look for protection stuff against the virus. And if the delivery time is uh, three weeks or three days and the competitor can do it in two days or one day, it's simple, right? You choose the one who's fastest. So customers go for transparent. Customers go for fast. Customers go for easy and simple. So when it comes to digitalization, I think we should not stop digitalizing our old processes and our, using our old reports and our old insights. I believe that digital transformation starts with transformation, starts with thinking, what do we want to be in the market? Connect the project with the strategy and then start thinking, what should we do to put the customer central in all we do? And then to be honest, Martin, in most companies in the world, we say customers are important, but in reality, the customer is not the center in all we do. Not in your company, not in my company, and not in many other companies. So I believe this change now and this digital transformation should start with put the customer in front of all we do and not your machine or your capacity if you're a manufacturer. And then start thinking about a business model that adds maximum value and maximum happiness to your customers. And once these are defined, then you start looking at the IT tools that help you to support doing that. So in short, I would say start from the other side. The transformation part is the most important part. And I also think the transformation part makes the difference between success and failure. So digitization is IT and tools, and the transformation is mentality and attitude. And one of the attitudes that you spoke about is putting the customer in front of all what companies do. And you stated that most of the companies or many companies have this in their mission statement, but don't act like this. So why, in your opinion, is this the case? Why are today customers not in front of what many companies do? 
Well, you are a customer all day long in your private life and in your business life, just as, as I am and all your listeners from your podcast. We are all customers. Huh? We're customers with the supermarket. We're customers with the real estate manager, with the gas station, the garage, and what have you. Now, just think for yourself. How often do you get the wow feeling? How often are you really blown away and surprised positively by what they do? How often do people do something extra or are proactively and have already fixed things for you? And on the contrary, how often things go wrong? How often you get, you know, emails with Mrs. Karlovich where you're a mister and so on and so further, right? Last names, wrong spelled and so on. So I think that we all say and claim that customers are important, but in reality, I think we don't take customer centricity as important as it is. The simple example, if I visit offices, and I never had the honor so far to visit your Netronic office in Aachen, but there's a big chance that if I visit your office and I walk into your main entrance, that either on the left side or on the right side of the, uh, the main office, there's a, a sign that says with a big P from parking. And most of those signs say directors only. Well, I'm Dutch and I like when I go to Germany, I like to travel by car and I love to put my car on that place, right? And then within 10 seconds, somebody comes out and says, oh, sorry, uh, it's forbidden. You can't put your car there. I say, why is that? And then often the lady from the reception says, look at the sign. It says it's for directors only. And I try, you know, to say, yeah, I am one, but that's wrong. It's only for own directors. So here, here we are, Martin. We say we are customer focused and customer obsessed, but the best parking places are not for the customers, but for our own. Second example, if you if you like me to, how important is customer satisfaction? I think most companies say, well, it is important. And there's companies that do studies and, and, and surveys and try to find out. But the question is, do you pay your people on customer satisfaction or do you pay your people on money? And I think reality is that most companies in the world say you get a bonus if you got a target X or, or a Y based on money, right? I would suggest, and I'm working with partners, where we say, let's make a budget for the next year, a financial budget with revenue and profit and, and what have you. But let's also make a budget for customer satisfaction. And it works pretty simple. You say, let's measure what the situation is per today. And let's say it's a 6.3. Well, we can't expect to turn a 6.3 into a 9 overnight. So we could say, let's budget to bring the 6.3 to a 7.0 by the end of the year. And let's measure if we're on the right path. And if we're there, maybe that's the reason to to give somebody a bonus or whatever, uh, rather than just money-driven. Does that make sense? Paying on customer satisfaction is an interesting topic. And I would say it is always hard to measure customer satisfaction. But in following this thought, I would say that the current dynamics of our industries help us with getting there. Because the enterprise software world turns from perpetual to software as a service. And for software as a service, we have the abbreviation SAAS. And I think that people think that this stands for software as a service, but my interpretation is that it stands for success as a service. Because with Perpetual, you have the upfront license and then you pay it. And if you can't make use of it, then it's the customer's risk. But with the new models, when you actually pay what you use, if what you get is not useful and if you're as a customer not satisfied with it, you just can stop the subscription. And so if you as a customer don't get the value out of the software you're using, if you are not satisfied, then you can stop subscription. So in your case, have you ever discussed with your clients that they should pay when it comes to customer satisfaction based on retention rates in the subscription world? 
not myself, not for my own business, but I'm, I fully agree with you. Uh, if you sell a one-off, then people are like locked in, right, for many years, especially with software uh, or with machines if you're a manufacturer. And I think we move to a as-a-service industry where one thing is for sure, like I said in the beginning, the power, the decision power is moving to the customer. And if a customer is unhappy in the new world, they just leave. And I see many examples that people don't even take the time to complain anymore. And it's an interesting question, Martin, to yourself. Think about it. What was the last time as you know, a private customer? What was the last time when you were upset that you took the phone and you started calling with the company that make you unhappy? And then you, know, you start with this lousy music for minutes. And then some voice said, this can be recorded for training purposes. And you hear yourself saying, fuck, do something with it then, please. And you wait and you wait. Or what was the last time that you wrote an extensive email saying you you're unhappy? I think that today most people don't even want to put energy in complaining. What they do is take their mouse and in two mouse clicks, they, they find an alternative vendor. So that means a lot for all of us, for you as a, as a software company, for the listeners as a manufacturing company. If people are unhappy, they don't complain, they just switch. So this opens a complete new era where you know it's not so much about your product and your price anymore. Because there's many surveys that say that customer experience today is as important, equally important in the decision-making process as price and specifications. And some people say that customer experience will become even more important than price and specifications. That means that if your customer experience is great, dear manufacturer, you can charge 5 or 10% more compared with competitors that have a bad customer experience. Well, that's an interesting trend, I would say. That's a very interesting trend. And what is your recommendation to, say, both business central partners and customers? What kind of measures should they take and which process should they go through to achieve putting the customer in front? Well, many things come up in my mind, but I think the one most important thing is that we accept <laughs> that the world has changed. And I travel all over Europe helping partners and customers in transformation processes. And to be honest, Martin, you know, I find myself on a stage or in front of a group in workshops and, you know, I bring all with all the energy that I have and all the passion that I can bring up, I bring my best arguments. And then quite often people say, well, Gus, it was interesting. Uh, you're a bit upset. Please slow down. But we're doing fine. We're doing fine. We're in our comfort zone. And if I ask them why they work, the way they do and why their processes look the way they do. They say often, my father did it this way, my grandfather did it this way, and they just continue working the way their grandfather or opa did. Well, one thing's for sure, you had an opa, I had an opa, but the world of opa will never return. So I think the, the one th most important thing is to let people understand before it's too late that it's really time to change. And the best thing we can do is take all our energy and put the energy in building the new rather than putting the energy in fighting the change. So I think that's the most important one, really. And then, you know, if you're a software company, you get different challenges than if you're a software user. There's a lot of other I'd say tactical things that people should start changing, in my opinion. But accepting the change and acting on it, I would say that's that's my number one. But let's assume now, especially now, as we have this ugly COVID-19 situation, to me, this was a kind of a global wake-up call 
So now let's assume that people have accepted that we not only live in times of change, but that the time has changed forever. So now that there is a big acceptance for change, where should companies start in terms of concrete actions? What can they do to put the customer first so that they are strengthened when things get back to normal? Well, I saw a great example uh, from the Netherlands. Let me try to explain that. Uh, we got a tax agency, part of our accounting ministerium, and the tax agency did a reorganization and lost a lot of people. Uh, they, they forgot to cap it, so they lost thousands of people, more than they wanted, actually. So that was sort of a mistake. And then they said, okay, what we need to do now is we need to hire thousands of new people in the labor market from, let's say, a year, 18 months ago, which was not easy because everybody was looking looking for new resources. And then they decided to do something special in my eyes. They decided to make a candidate journey. But I think most of us are familiar with customer journey, right? What are the steps that a potential customer will walk through? What are their needs and the requirements? And how can you guide them to eventually signing the contract? So this tax agency decided to do that for the candidate journey. And they got, they got headlines in the national newspapers in Netherlands because they, in the end, succeeded in doing a job interview at nine in the morning, getting the sign that you will be hired at noon during lunch and sign your contract at four o'clock in the afternoon. So you're there for one day on location. It was before crisis, as you can imagine. But in one day, they sort of changed all their processes and all their sub-optimization to guide and help and facilitate the candidate to get you know, clarity about a job and signing a contract in one day. Well, you're a business owner. So I, if I asked you, what was the last time that you, you know, went for a new job? That must have been a long time ago. But just think for people you know, right? You got a first contact, you got a phone call, maybe you got a first interview, then you have to wait until they interviewed everybody. And then two weeks later, you got maybe a second one. And then you need to have a conversation with the business owner, but he or she is traveling. So, you know, the throughput time could easily be three, four, five, six weeks. And why is that? Well, that is because every department does sub-optimization. Same happens in hospitals, right? You have to wait for a few hours here and a few hours there. Why? Because the hospital is focusing, optimaliz making optimization on their own capacity per department. I would say it makes all sense of the world to me to sort of start thinking the other way around and to say, let's start with the benefit of the customer. How can we do it as fast, as smooth, as easy, and then reorganize our processes? Would that be easy to do? I don't think so. Because everybody will say, hey, this is not what I'm used to. And hey, I didn't do it this for 20 years. And my father and my grandfather didn't do this. So that's, I think, again, back to digital transformation. That's the hardest part is to transform the way of thinking. And I think this can, it's possible, even, let's say, in a bureaucratic environment as our tax agency, if they can do it, then I'm pretty sure that manufacturing companies can do it as well. As long as it starts with the ID and the motivation to put the customer first, not in words, but in actions. Now, this is an amazing example, and it's putting the customer first, but it's also putting the customer success first, and then from there, redefining the processes. But I would assume that this is nothing that, let's say, the general worker can drive But this is something that has to start at the top of the respective organizations. So I know that you work in your role as a consultant and as a trainer and as an inspirer. You work a lot with C-level persons of your clients. What would you say? Does the role of the C-level in SMBs 
Does it need to change? And if so, how? Well, I'd say in general, uh, if you want to transform, you need to lead the transformation. Uh, and to be honest, Martin, I see and I meet a lot of C-level people that say, okay, we are going to implement a new software system and the system that we bought is different than the one we had. Some of them, you know, tell their people in videos or in kickoffs, I want you all to be open for change. Unfortunately, the one who is not open for change nine out of 10 times is the person that just said the text. So I see a lot of business owners that want their employees to change and to be open for different things and doing experiments, but they forget that they have to be the example of change. It's like with a family. If you want your children to behave differently, you can say things five times or 10 times, but it doesn't work unless you give the example, right? My wife and I, we got three boys. And we tried to raise them when they were younger, that if we're having dinner and you put food in your mouth, first, you know, make your mouth empty before you start speaking again. But if I say that to my kids, while well, there is food in my mouth, no, it doesn't make any sense. And I feel that many business owners don't understand the impact of body language. So if there's a kickoff of an important project, but the business owner, he or she is not there because they have something more, more important to do. The body language to the audience, to the employees is, okay, they say it's an important project, but it's not important. And if I have to do my homework later on in the implementation, why should I do it? Because it's not that important, right? So leading a change is different and requires different capabilities and, and example behavior uh, than leading a just running company with business as usual. So I believe that Uh, you said, you know, changes should come top down. I just finalized a book, small booklet on the transformation part of digital transformation. And one of the chapters says the most effective changes start bottom up. So typically in an IT project, right, the top decides we need new software with all good reasons because it doesn't not support it anymore. The vendor is bankrupt. It's in, not integrated. We don't have the insights on the top or what have you. But then they sort of pushed up down the message, you know, you need all to change, you need to work harder, you got your job plus an implementation. I think it makes all the sense of the world before you start selecting software, or before you start transforming to ask your employees on the bottom of the organization, so all the departments, please come up with improvement ideas. What can we do to make the process smoother, faster? What can we do to support the customer better? What can we do to add more value? And if you come up with those ideas from the bottom and from the top, you facilitate that with money and software and, and things like that, I think then you get a much better output than just traditional top-down, we are the boss, we tell you what to do. I agree. So getting rid of complexity and streamlining processes to better serve the customer must be a joint initiative because it is the C-level who should lead by attitude and by attitude change. And then it needs all the people to bring the inside knowledge of the processes because this is what they are doing day in and day out and getting them involved for finding all these, say, complexity traps. This could be the right, yeah, the right approach. And then, Martin, if people from the departments come up with improvement ideas, right, and they are enthusiastic about it, then you don't need to convince them to change. They will say, go faster, go faster, because, you know, it's, it's their idea. And of course, it needs coordination. And of course, you cannot do everything that everybody wants, right? There should be some smart and, and intelligence in that. But I think then it works from two sides. And, you know, sometimes it's just simple things, right? 
what should we improve? I think one of the most simple things that come in, in my mind and that I ask audiences, do you lose customers? People like to talk about growing and finding new, but some, you know, I ask, do you sometimes lose customers? I hope not too often. And then they say, yeah, well, we lose some customers every now and then. And then I ask them, do you know why they leave you if they leave? Right? We said before, people, customers don't complain, they switch, right? So if you, if you find out that people don't order with you anymore, what are you going to do about it? Well, a lot of people say, well, it's life, it's bad luck. Right? Some people say, yeah, the customer was an idiot. I wish my competitor got lots of success and you know things like that. But the most simple thing that comes up in my mind is why don't you bring structure in interviewing customers that don't do business with you anymore? And maybe that's something that the salesperson or the project manager who is involved should not do him or herself. Right? If I'm your project manager or your customer success manager, Martin, you're my customer and I blew up and I, I screwed the project, and then I ask you, how, what was your idea? How was I doing? Then I might get, especially from Germany, some diplomatic answer. So it's better, it's better to have a third party, right? Somebody else, maybe the business owner, him or herself. Why not every Friday afternoon at one o'clock after lunch? Why don't you do a few calls if possible, if it's only a few, right? And why don't you try to find out? You say, hello, I'm Martin. I just found out that you stopped doing business with us. Can I ask you what, open question, what is the reason? And then shut up and then let them talk. And then you, you, get, you get candid feedback, right? And if you screw, if you're screwed up, right, you need to know why, right? And great questions could be, well, you know, if you were in my shoes, dear customer, what would you do differently? And where would you put your investments? What are the two or three things you would advise me to do? I found out that if you give people the space and the, the, the facility to tell why they're unhappy, you win sympathy. And maybe what your competitor promised heaven on earth is not that realistically. So they might come back because if you opened up your arms and you show that you're open for learning. Is that complex? You don't need a McKinsey report and advice for something like this. You know, the advice is for free and you can start changing. Yeah, this is a great advice. And I think this is a great advice as a takeaway for this podcast that there are a couple of tough decisions we need to make to get the digital transformation done. But there are a lot of hands-on actions and measures we actually can start implementing this Friday by calling some customers that were unhappy or that left us. And with this, I think we are at the end of this interview. So, Hoos, thank you very much. This was inspiring. This is inspiring and i'm pretty sure i will invite you again to get inspired again so thank you very much for today's session okay thank you for having me and i wish you a lot of success with your nice initiative i like the podcast series good luck with that Thank you for listening to the Business Central Manufacturing Show. 